Hi, I'm Mary Worden, and this is Premier Health Now On Air, COVID-19 edition, a Premier Health podcast. This is the week of March 22nd, 2021. Hey there. I usually kick off the episodes of this show with a story, and that story is usually about me, but that's because I love talking, but I also love listening. Stories are interesting, engaging, and relatable, and my hope in sharing stories with you is to connect with you on some level, or at least make you laugh a little because my stories are usually about something weird or funny that has happened to me along the way. But for this episode, I'm not going to talk about myself. This episode is about the selfless and brave nurses from Premier Health and what the last year has meant to them. This is their story. Take a moment and mentally take yourself back to March 2020. All of a sudden, everything happened at once. There were changes literally sometimes two and three times a day. We had to adapt in every minute. It was very scary for me. We had to deal with the fears of everybody. And we had to acknowledge that it was scary. And we had to make a lot of hard decisions with the staff, with the managers. And I, it just felt like a war room that day. It was one of our own, um, was very ill and we didn't think she was gonna make it. Um, and we had called her family in and we thought it was the end. We knew that we had a patient that was going to pass away. And so we just headed up to the floor just to make sure that that patient did not pass alone. Um, This was a year we couldn't see our loved ones, and I will never take that for granted again. There were days that I wondered if I could just get up and and do it again. It's hard to watch so many people succumb to the illness of of COVID. And this does make me a little emotional, but um, I just felt I felt helpless. I felt like I I couldn't fix it. And everybody was trying as hard as they could and we were pulling out all the stops and all the resources. And I just remember feeling like I can't fix this. And that was my worst day. Joining us today is a group of experts, our nursing leadership at Premier Health. I'm Kim Hensley, and I'm the CEO, CNO um, at Atrium Medical Center. I'm Peggy Mark. I'm the System Chief Nursing Officer and Chief Experience Officer for Premier Health. I'm Trish Wackler. I'm the Chief Nursing Officer and Vice President of Education for Premier Health. I'm Christy Graham, Chief Nursing Officer for Miami Valley North, Miami Valley South, and Miami Valley Maine. Hi, I'm Latoya Masterson, the Director of the Learning Institute for Premier Health. I'm Mary Walters. I'm the Chief Nursing Officer for Fidelity Healthcare. I'm Angela Whale, System Director of Nursing Practice, Research, and Clinical Informatics. I'm Zakia Robinson. I'm the System Director of Nursing Finance and Staffing. Hi, everyone. Thank you all for taking the time to join me today so we can reflect on the last year together. Think back to around this time last year. At what point as medical professionals did this get real for you? When did you know that this virus was going to be something really significant. I could start. Um, interestingly enough, today is the um, the day, a year ago today was the day we got our first COVID patient. Um, we actually got that patient and within 12 hours, we had about three more um, and they came from the same place. And that's when for me, it hit me um, that, wow, something big's happening and it's really real. Um, before, you know, you hear it on the news and you hear, oh, this might, this patient might have it, might not have it. Um, but we got those patients very, pretty quickly, um, one right after the other with the same symptoms from the same place. And it, um, we were alerted by our emergency department. That's what happened. And for me, it was like, wow, this is big. And here we are. I think for me, from a personal perspective, uh, my husband travels all across the country and, it what really struck me, he was uh, due to travel to New York City. And he was alerted that he shouldn't shouldn't go to New York City. And I was like, well, what's going on? And then all of a sudden it was this pandemic, well, COVID. Um, and I, so then I started wondering how's this gonna impact us? 
um, here at Premier. So it was it was a real rude awakening from a personal perspective because my thoughts were if my husband would have gone to New York City at that time, he probably would have contracted COVID. Trish and Kim, how did you feel when these things happened? It's a feel. I mean, I felt you know, overwhelmed at first and, you know, thinking about the impact that it's going to have on us from a professional in our professional environment and how are we going to manage this and how are we going to pull our teams together? Um, And then, you know, what impact is that going to have on all of us from a personal perspective as well? Um, So you begin to, all these things begin to go through your mind and you're looking, watching the news Um, And you're starting to pull together teams in your facilities and it just, there's an array of feelings. Yeah, I I agree. Um, It was overwhelming um, and the unknown, because largely um, we didn't know much about the virus at the time. The testing wasn't that robust. Um, We didn't know what the patients would do, how they would act. And then of course, um, the transmission um, and I was really thinking about, oh my gosh, how do I manage this with my with the, the folks that are caring for these patients? How do I make sure that they're protected? Um, it just, it was very scary, at least to me. It, it was making sure that those people on that front line um, were safe. I wasn't so much worried about me because I'm, you know, wasn't on the front line, obviously, but just thinking about what they were going through and how they were managing it. Um, was very scary for me. We were trying to figure out PPE. It was just all of a sudden everything happened at once. I would I would add to you that I, I don't often sit and watch the media and what the media has to say about things um, because that's not where I live. And I fortunately was able to work right next to and be in a room with what I would consider our star clinical expert. So I think I had the advantage, but I did make a point of going home because I'm thinking, why is everybody reacting this way? And, and, and I went home and I watched all the different stories that were out there. And that was kind of early on. And I think I had the advantage of keeping that sense of science in the mess and also knowing that we had to deal with the fears of everybody because to be telling a nurse that they had to take care of a COVID patient when all that was hitting them all at once from outside the organization, we had to work really hard to make sure that our nurses understood the science behind it. And we had to acknowledge that it was scary. And we didn't want them to walk away from any conversation if they had one question about what they were doing. Christy, you mentioned having the inside scoop and an advantage to staying on top of the science and information, but how did you all stay on top of ever-changing information that could change by the minute, it seemed, at times? I'm not sure we completely stayed on top of everything. I think the advantage is, is as a large system, um, we ended up going into a mode of where a lot of the decisions was made from a central hub based on everything that was going on. And we were recipients of a lot of information. And here again, we were all in one room, um, in a war room almost, in in the idea of how do we move forward in our own sites and how do we share this information and making sure that we had the best information to present at the time with the most latest and greatest. And we were very honest, this is changing by the minute. We're going to tell you something today in this moment that we might come back in an hour and tell you something different. And we just had to be transparent about that. I think, Christy, that was one of our biggest challenges is with the changing information, and it was minute by minute, trying to get the right information out as well as um, gain the trust of the staff who were, as you said earlier, in a really tough situation in terms of being afraid. And so I think what we were able to do as a system is set the stage that this is going to change on a regular basis. We're going to give you the most up-to-date information and kind of set the expectation that it's going to, it's going to feel like we're, we're changing lanes maybe every day. And it ended up working out. Okay. It, it was hard for people, but I think setting the expectation that this is the new path for us and we're all going to go down it together. I think that with the leadership in this organization and at all of our sites that we were we were able to finally get there where we could just be nimble and move with 
the changes that were happening every single day. That was, I think, a big challenge, you know, kind of like talking about how our roles changed. I felt like I became an air traffic controller, a counselor, a lawyer, looking at every single document. Um, with being in the home care world, ours was, you know, a little bit different. So what came down from the system, you know, we would sit in a room, like a war room, like Christy was describing and like, okay, let's look at this. Okay. What do we need to change that fits the home environment? So we wanted our clinicians to know we were looking out for them from the home perspective as well. Um, so we had to change some words and then I would send it back to the system. Like, Hey, this is, this is what we changed. Is this okay? And, you know, we were very transparent. Like everyone else said, like, I'm going to send you emails over and over and they're going to change. So we started putting, here's the changes are in green, you know, so we didn't want to use red. So here's the changes that are in green each time it came out because there were changes literally sometimes two and three times a day. Um, and our clinicians are all out in the community. So we never see them. Um, so we didn't even get to like bring them in and talk with them about it. So there was a lot of counseling on phone calls, HR was involved, you know, and um, I think that was critical for us to all be very transparent and like, hey, this is changing moment by moment. By moment. Something I also saw that um, we were able to make decisions quickly. Um, I remember before COVID, there were decisions that took quite some time, but we really learned how to adapt and to pivot when we needed to be. And so that was something I think that really carried us through as an organization. We recognized that this decision needed to be made quickly so that our patients are safe and that our, that we, our employees feel like they are being cared for as well. So that was something I think that really helped our organization. For me as a leader, I found it challenging to be in that spot too. While those decisions were being made in multiple different areas, I felt like I was being removed as a decision maker, which was okay because that's what needed to happen in that kind of setting. And my role changed in those moments. So it was it was a pivot on how I led as a CNO of uh, being in a room making those decisions to, okay, I'm a recipient of some of these decisions, and yet my role shifted to how do I go out and communicate to the teams, and how do I connect with the teams with, with and, and we, we took groups out there to round and, and make sure we were providing information, and it was a nice, trans quite honestly, it was a nice transition from many aspects of how we did and were able to connect with the teams so intimately, so often, because we weren't stuck in a meeting. So roles changed and pivots were made. I'm curious, did any of your roles cross over in new ways that they never had before? Yes, um, I think this is a perfect question for me. Um, you know, in my typical role in supporting the organization is a very supportive position. Um, I have been at the bedside before. I have led an operational team before where the decisions that I made on a daily basis were more life and death situations. We were impacting direct patient care. And over the past several years and transitioning um, to my supportive role, um, actually Peggy has said to me once before that in this work, um, that life and death decision is kind of removed. And so, um, when this happened, it was very easy to drop nearly everything that I was doing and redirect my efforts into um, more directly supporting the individuals that were caring for patients. And so I can remember early on, um, I turned into an expert in screening um, as we were intaking visitors, employees, um, how we were screening them and uh, leading that process across the system uh, in partnership with our HR partners. And then um, as we saw larger volumes of patients um, in the fall, moving into the fourth quarter of last year, um, I was solely involved in labor pool and uh, assisting individuals um, to be reassigned. My team members who are clinical informaticists, who are magnet program managers, um, being reassigned to helping hands roles, uh, being oriented, getting back to the bedside, um, that I was able to actually participate in some of that um, direct patient hands-on care. Um, I learned how to do vital signs again with the equipment, and um, it was it was an exciting time um, because I've always, I mean, that, that's who we are as nurses. We connect to patient care, and we love taking care of nurses as well. Um, but it was also um, 
I think I'm not sure if we've used the word scary yet. And as many, as much as we could reallocate those resources, um, our nurses were still really hurting from the work that they weren't getting done. I want to stay on this topic, but Angela, you mentioned helping hands. Can one of you explain what that is? So I'll go ahead and start by defining it. So I was a helping hand. Um, I've been a nurse for 20 years, and I haven't been at the bedside to take care of patients for about 15 of those years. And so I've been away for a while. Um, I would not be comfortable, even though I am still a licensed nurse, um, jumping in and helping the nursing team. And so I worked with my partner, LaToya, um, who leads our clinical education to determine what kind of skills that I needed to add to my toolbox to be able to go back into the patient care environment and be helpful. Um, So LaToya was able to partner with me I got trained how to do AccuCheck again, um, and then I was able to go in and sit with patients or take vital signs or do some of those nursing tasks um, to alleviate some of the stress on the nursing team. I'd like to add to that because Angela did a, um, a great job with the helping hands. When the pandemic first hit, we stopped surgeries and you know elective procedures. So in the beginning, we were able to reallocate staff to really focus in on taking care of that high acuity patient and and making sure that we were doing the latest and greatest and turning our patients and and proning them and those kinds of things. And then the the volume kind of leveled out and we started open up to our outpatient procedures. That's when I think that it became really, really hard to ensure that we had enough resources to go around. And that's when the helping hands became essential. And we brought in LPNs to help um, supplement our staff and do really creative things with our staffing that that we had talked about before, but this just pushed us into it a little bit quicker. And it was so nice to see us be able to take those initiatives and implement them and then they work well because we got a lot of positives around those resources. Did you have any helping hands that were non-clinical? Our our general counsel attorney came in and helped do some helping hands. Yeah. And it went well. From her feedback to me was I got to see a side of what really happens in the hospital and and we didn't put her out there alone. She was working next to somebody and she helped transport patients. But it was just a really good way for everybody who helps run the business to really see the impact that providing care really does mean to our organization. In addition to the non-clinical helping hands, we also um, implemented external helping hands. You know, Christy referenced our ability to be creative and think outside of the box and One of the things that we found through the pandemic is the overwhelming community response um, and individuals that were wanting to help and support our teams and to care for our patients. And so um, that was one of the unique things that we leveraged community members that were wanting to come into our organization and to provide support and to help our teams. And I um, believe that that was a benefit to our team members as well. I love that you brought up the community because I know there were so many community members who dropped off food, coffee, flowers, cards. Tell me about the impact of the outpouring of community support and what did that mean to you, especially on a difficult day? I I think for the nurses at Upper Valley, um, I think it was more about the recognition of the work they do and how important it is. Um, And just... uh, we had smoothies, we had all kinds of food, we had um, wonderful notes from um, students, like elementary school students, they made cards, we actually still have them hanging out here in our um, administration area. And I think it was just um, that recognition of the hard work um, that they're doing by the community, it meant so much and it made them so proud of the work that they do, despite how um, overwhelmed and concerned that they were with their own safety in their own practice. So I think it made a huge difference in their ability to be um, resilient, to hold their heads high and just keep coming back every day. It made a big one. I will tell you one of the first um, community outpourings that Miami Valley saw, and it was the, the we had put the COVID unit or on um, in our tower on the ninth floor. So they're up pretty high. 
and they had went down one hallway and they could see the hotel in downtown Dayton who had put different lights in the shape of a heart. And that was the very first, and that was in the first few matter of days and weeks that we were going through this. And I went up to the unit and the staff was like, our community loves us. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the best days, the worst days, and how teamwork got this team through every single day in the past year working through a pandemic. Stay with us. We know getting care comes with a little uncertainty right now, but behind these masks, you'll find unwavering dedication, compassion, and protection for you and the care we provide to you. You won't find us backing down. We won't stop. As long as you need us, we'll be here standing strong because it's who we are and care is behind everything we do. Our care lives here. Premier Health. And we're back. Tell me about the worst day you had over the last year. That's a hard question (laughs) because there were a lot of rough days. But at the time, um, I was the vice president of surgery. And I think a really bad day for me was we had the the number of COVID patients at Miami Valley Hospital had declined dramatically. It seemed that we were coming out of the pandemic. You know, things had leveled out. We started to have more surgeries. And then the, the COVID patients started to increase again. And so we had one day where we just had to turn on a dime and we had to basically shut down surgery and we had to make a lot of hard decisions with the staff, with the managers. And I, it just felt like a war room that day because we were making, I mean, while we were making these quick decisions all throughout the pandemic, this was a day where I felt like we have to make these decisions now I felt uncomfortable about the decisions I was making. I I was hesitant um, in moving forward with some of these decisions, yet we had to move forward. We were calling surgeons, telling them their cases were canceled. You know, we had upset surgeons, but we had to do it for our community and we had to make sure that we could provide um, appropriate care for all the, the patients that were gonna be coming into the hospital. So that was a really bad day for me, although there were other bad days. That's one that really um, resonates and sticks out in my mind. I think for me, when I think about that question, what was the worst day? There was really literally one day that came to mind for me. There, As you said, there's a lot of difficult days. But I remember one day we were sitting around as a team and we were talking about all the challenges. I don't even know where it was now in the year, whether it was beginning of the second surge, maybe, I'm not sure. And this may, does make me a little emotional, but um, I just felt, I felt helpless. I felt like I, I couldn't fix it. And everybody was trying as hard as they could and we were pulling out all the stops and all the resources. And I just remember feeling like I can't fix this for our nurses. And that was my worst day. You know, you, you think about not only did we deal with it from a professional side of it, we also have our personal lives that are bad days, right? So you kind of have to dust that off and try to come in and show your best self. Um, I think the one of the worst days that I had was really pretty much early on, and we knew that we had a patient that was going to pass away, and her family couldn't be well we were trying to get them in to be with her and they were both sick and we had devised a plan that that here again we didn't know what we didn't know we were trying to devise a plan to bring him in so that she didn't pass away alone and I remember the conversation of we we well we don't want to make anybody sick so we're not coming in and and so we just headed up to the floor just to make sure that um they knew that they weren't going to be able to come in and that so that patient did not pass alone um and we had you know and so many amazing experiences around just meeting our patients where they they needed to be met and um it's hard i mean that's what you hear from the nursing staff is it's hard to watch 
so many people succumb to the illness of, of COVID. You know, one of the things similar to the patients is listening to the staff um, and them talking about them being afraid to go home to their families, their children, um, because, it, you know, especially early on, um, we didn't know, you know, how easily it could be transmitted. What, do you, what could you do? Um, we weren't universal masking at the time. And um, just rounding with folks and the uncertainty that that created um, and, you know, financially, um, health-wise, there was just so much in that on top of them, you know, caring for people. They had to bury that and care for their, you know, for their patients while they were at work. Um, and for me, that was really hard because kind of like Peggy said, you can't fix that for them. You can't take that away from them and you can't appreciate them anymore, you know, for everything that they're doing and putting forth to make sure that the community is cared for. So that for me was really hard to not be able to have some sort of control, I guess, or some way to fix that for them and to just live in it with them instead of trying to fix it. Tell me about the best day you had over the last year. I'm going to go to the best day then, too, because that's an easy one for me, too. It was the vaccines. I mean, you know, without a doubt for me, it was as soon as we had a vaccine, I felt the load just lifted off of everybody's shoulder. It felt lighter in the world to me. And that was, there was just hope, more hope at that point. We always knew we would get through it. And everybody was so phenomenal through that really tough year. But when the vaccines were approved, that was a great day for me. Um, I think another uh, great day, I don't know if it was my best day, but another great day is when we, you know, we, we track the numbers, obviously. Um, and when I saw the numbers like going the right direction and when we got to double digits, I was like, oh, okay, we're out of the, we're out of that. And this morning we were at 10 patients and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like we are at 10 patients who, um, you know, are, that we're caring for because, you know, as the patients were discharged from the hospital, they came to us. Um, and my team, just like everyone else's team, were tracking this seven days a week throughout the whole time because we wanted to make sure we were, okay, what day are they and, you know, protect our staff who's out there, you know, and, um, now they don't have to do that every single day. And that's like such a relief. And, um, today it was 10 and I was like, oh my gosh, we're at, well, so maybe tomorrow we'll be at nine, but today we were at 10. So that was a really great day. Um, along those lines, um, just in, you know, being mindful of, of the volume and the increase in um, the patients that we were experiencing, I was rounding with one of my teams and um, just to see the looks on their faces and um, the facts that, you know, they were positive and optimistic and, you know, today was a good day. We had the resources that we need. We had the staff that we need and um, the way that they, you know, always rise to the occasion that, they always go above and beyond to care for our patients, to care for our families. Those are the days that stick out to me um, and remind me of, of why I'm here and, and, and honored to support them um, and to work with them. So that was one of my good days. I would have to agree with Peggy that the vaccine was probably one of the best days. I, I had several in that, that month, um, but the vaccine did allow me since I was going through an immunocompromised time period um, it it did allow me to hug my daughter and be in the presence of my daughter without a mask on. Um, so that was really good. But I will also go back to the day we discharged one of our nurses out of our ice out of our unit after months of her being here in that march down the hallway in the cheers of her making it through. Uh, yes, Christy, we call that a clap out, right? Can you describe what a clap out is for our listeners? Sure. Trish, do you want to describe it? Because I think your your facility was the first who did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very similar to you. I was going to say um, one of our best days was one of our own um, was very ill and we didn't think she was going to make it. Um, and we called her family in and we thought it was the end. And just like that, a few weeks later, she actually was in inpatient rehab. She was gaining strength and was ready to walk out. So we all gathered around, um, masks on, and clapped her out. And she walked down the hall with her husband and got into her car, and we all watched. And it was amazing. It was a shred of hope for everyone. 
um, that people could actually recover from this because we had so many that didn't. Um, and because it was one of our own, it made it even more special. We had so much to celebrate with her. It was so wonderful. I think what stands out to me when I think about our best days um, is that they were proud moments. And the pride that we had in each other and in the organization, um, in those moments, we really did believe and we still believe um, that Premier Health was the place to be during this pandemic. Um, so while it was really hard for us, while it was exhausting, um, we were proud of the care that we were providing to our patients. We were proud that we were on the leading edge of treatment options for our patients. Um, and we were all saying to each other, if we had COVID right now, Premier Health is where I would want to be cared for. Um, and so I think um, leaning into that pride and into one another um, helped us uh, get through the more difficult days. Did you see nurses band together as an even greater team, supporting each other, lifting each other up? And what did you have to do as a team to get through some extremely challenging times? Well, as it's been mentioned before about the surgery team, you know, we basically shut down surgery um, at Miami Valley Hospital. I think we were doing about 50% of our cases. And I really saw that team come together and be deployed out to the, the nursing units and help with proning and turning patients and other things that needed to be done. They were screeners. I mean, they just, they just went all over the hospital to do whatever, whatever was needed. And I really saw them all band together and no complaining. It was, what, what do we need to do? Where do we need to go? I was just going to echo that. Um, my team, we're the um, educational team, and we were able to um, provide that support as far as bringing on new hires and that education piece. I saw that team really band together and what can we do to make sure that we can prepare nurses safely so they can help our, our hospitals. And so I saw them do things that I couldn't even imagine. Like they just pulled together. They knew it had to be done. It's quicker than what we typically do things, but we want to make sure that we get them out there safely. And then I remember when I sent out the email about helping hands and immediately I got back responses, we're already signing up. And so they did it without even asking. They knew they wanted to help out and do whatever they can. So I just, I really saw them band together and just what needs to be done. I'm going to be out there. And I was just going to say this team in particular, I, you know, I saw all of the nurse executive team you know, every day just band together like they, like they never have. And they've always been a really, really strong team. And then to see that just exponentially get stronger because of the circumstances and the need and sharing information and bringing out the best of each other and jumping in, as everyone has said, where you don't normally jump in and nobody held back. And it was it was such an honor to work with with this leadership team and with the leadership team across the organization, because we saw that everywhere. Everywhere you looked, people were just working together and partnering and sharing information and and doing what needed to be done in ways that um, we just hadn't done it before. We just hadn't been able to do that before. And it it someone said it earlier, but we were able to react um, in such a positive way in a in a quick way um, in a way that we had to adapt in every minute. And when we saw what we were made of during that time. Um, and we know what we were capable of. You know, I just looked at our organization and said, what, what an incredible honor to work for Premier and to work with these incredible people. So it sounds like teamwork and camaraderie were very prevalent in your work during some really dark days. I'm curious, even when times were tough, was there anything that enthused, inspired, or even excited you? Oh, so many. I mean, I, the whole manual proning process was something we had to implement and Im implement it pretty quickly. And, you know, you can't, you can't rent enough of proning beds to make that work. So um, they became such experts on how to turn somebody that's on a ventilator and not, you know, risk that ventilate that too from being dislodged. And, and they did such a good job. And all the science that and the the new stuff that's come from that, the new drug treatments and plasma, all of that that we got to be the you know the first to to be able to do that is just amazing work. For me, it was again the teamwork. I had the opportunity to work so closely with Latoya and Angela. 
Um, I think at one point we had dubbed ourselves the Three Musketeers and, um, you know, getting to connect with them um, every day and, and navigating through this pandemic with them and, and certainly all of the, the team on this call was just really something that that I looked forward to that even in the midst of a lot of unknown and, and certainly challenges um, that we were able to come together and partner so close to, together was really impactful for me. For me, it was the, gro the growth of the staff and how they grew clinically um, together because wherever we had these COVID patients, they often got sick very quickly. And it wasn't always in ICU where these patients were placed. And I was just so proud of, of the staff, how they embraced the acuity of the patient. And they learned it and they did such a great job. And again, I'll say they, they're just so proud of themselves. And that just that's the one um, golden star you could say for me in all of this is is the work that they did, that they got through it, and they're 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 just better nurses because of it, even though it was really hard. I have to add to that that I'm so proud of how we expanded our care team. Um, we had been talking about reintegrating licensed practical nurses into our care team uh, actually for the previous you know twenty four months or so. And this put us in a position where we were able to do it so very quickly and rapidly. And one of our biggest hesitations um, in the reintegration of the LPNs wasn't about um, their practice or what they could and couldn't do, but it was more about how we were going to receive them as part of the care team, um, how they would feel embraced by our RNs and our PCTs. And I had the opportunity uh, with Latoya and Zakia yesterday to talk with our managers and our educators who have been bringing these LPNs into the care team. And the response was overwhelming, how well they're fitting in, how much the RNs love having them as part of the team, and we're ready to bring in more. Um, so it took um, an idea that we had previously and accelerated it really quickly and provided the perfect um, scenario for it to be rapidly and wonderfully successful. Let's stop on the topic of expanding your workforce briefly. During such a rough year, what are you telling people that you're bringing in as new nurses? And what are you telling people who may have interest in becoming a nurse? What I have found is um, because nurses were at the forefront so much um, of the pandemic, that a lot of people for the first time really saw and realized what nurses do that may not have known that before. So I'm, I feel that people that I have talked to that are thinking about the nursing profession are very excited about it, um, that they, they kind of want to be that hero. They see really the, the depth and the breadth of what a nurse does and how nurses really can change people's lives. So I haven't found that there's much a lot much convincing that needs to be done. It's like we need to just open our doors and embrace the people that are thinking about nursing as a profession now because of the pandemic. I and I love the fact that, you know, having been a nurse for a long time and nurses have always been held in very high esteem. But I think in 2020, which by the way was the year of the nurse, uh, our founder Florence Nightingale's 200th birthday year, um, we were just front and center and people really can see what nurses do. So I think there's excitement about our profession, both internal to our current nurses um, and also to people thinking about nursing as a profession. Peggy nailed it. All right. The pandemic was relentless. What did you draw upon to make it through those rough stretches? And is there a moment that comes to mind to illustrate that? Okay, guys, I will start this. <laughs> you all have to fess up to a little bit of burnout, too. Um, I don't know that burnout would be the word that I would use, but, but it was tiring. It was really exhausting to get through that year. I don't know that I felt burnout like I just don't want to do this anymore, but there were days that I wondered if I could just get up and, and do it again, even though I wanted to, but I think everybody was tired. And what I pulled on are, is, is not only this team of nurse leaders, and we were together all the time, and I pulled on their resilience and their strength and their, um, really their love of 
I mean, of each other, of our organization, of our nurses. And then I just watched those nurses every single day doing what they were doing at the bedside. And that gave me strength every day. I thought if they can come in and do that work at the bedside every day, I can come in and provide the support through my leadership that they need. And so my motivation was making sure that the nurses at the bedside and the staff at the bedside, the PCTs, the HOCs, the LPNs, that they all had what they needed to do that incredibly important work. And that is how I think I stayed resilient during that time. And I knew I had a really important job was to make sure they could do their really important job. You know, there's there's a lot that, that we went through over the last year and I, I agree with Peggy that I don't know that I would call it burnout. I would I would say that I was really, really tired um, for lots of different reasons. And, um, you know, you pull from your faith, you pull from grit. I call it grit. Um, and and the way I tried to look at it was I can't control everything. But the only thing that I, I will control what I can control. And sometimes it's the only thing that you can control is how you show up and you may not do it perfectly, but you get work with people who are forgiving and who will help support you in, in, in working through that. And, um, we just keep going. I think there was a real focus too, Christy on, um, caring for one another and our organization had started talking about healthy living. Um, we had, um, really set some of our vision and our direction on, you know, if we can't take care of ourselves, if we can't take care for each other, then we can't show up very well for the community and for our patients. And so it was finding the one or two things that we could do. For me, it was a walk. Um, I knew when um, it had gotten to be too much and I needed to take 10 minutes to walk away, to walk outside, to take a breath uh, before I come back. And the team was always checking in with one another, um, making sure that folks were getting days off um, even if it was just one a month, but that they were taking time away um, to be able to rest and to regroup and to come back. Um, so it really goes back to that leaning in, leaning on each other um, and taking care of one another too. If you could tell yourself one thing at the beginning of the pandemic, what would that be? Um, I think I would tell tell everyone that we'll get through this together and the only way to get through it is together and that there will be a vaccine. <laughs> so um, I think that the unknown at the beginning was so scary for everyone. Um, and, you know, you're just in that kind of fight or flight scenario or crisis mode. And, you know, you're like, are we going to get through this? And, you know, how are we going to get through this? Well, we, we got through it. And not that there won't be some challenges along the way, but I think that think that uh, I would just tell myself that like this is going to be okay we're going to get through this a lot of things are going to happen there's going to be positive and negatives that come out of everything related to this. And I think one of the things along the same lines of what Mary's saying you know this too shall pass you know in your mind you know we always think we go through crisis and you know I think we always need to remember that this too shall pass. And, and to be open to some level to what normal is. And, and sometimes we pigeonhole ourselves into what we think normal should be. And, and it's taught us that, that normal is sometimes different and, and it's not bad. For me, I would um, tell myself, especially as a leader that, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to not always know the answers. I work with your team and keep working towards them together. You can get to an answer. Um, that can be very challenging. I, I heard earlier when, you know, how can I fix this? I know I'm, I'm a fixer. And so it's, we may not have the answer right now, but if we join together, we can find the answer. And also on, on a personal level, I would, if I could tell myself, cherish every moment with your family. Um, this was a year where we couldn't see our loved ones, and I will never take that for granted again. I was just going to add to that, Latoya. You did a great job of summing that up with cherishing every moment with your family. Um, Mary, as you and Kim talk about this too shall pass, it's important for us to know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but one of the things that Christy shared uh, with a larger group that I hung on to and I clung to 
was um, let's not just get through it. Let's not just look to when this is over. Um, and she really challenged us to live in the moment because once that was over, there would always be something else. And um, she challenged us to not just like, let's just not get to next year. Or let's just not get through COVID. But how do we learn to thrive in this moment, even when it's exhausting and it's challenging? Um, cherish the moments that we have, cherish the moments that we have with family and learn to appreciate today for today and not um, forget today in anticipation of tomorrow. Very well said. And lastly, what is one takeaway you'd like to leave listeners with? Yeah, I would just say thank you, um, you know, to all of those that are listening. I just am always in awe. You know, I tend to be somebody who's an observer and a watcher. And to all, to not only this team, but to all of our care providers, all of our team members, whatever role or responsibility that, that they have, thank you, because this was certainly a team effort and we wouldn't have been able to do it without each and every one of our team. And thank you. I want to thank Angela for reminding me for being, being thankful for the moment. Live where your feet is planted. Uh, as nurses and as healthcare providers, we are strong, we are compassionate, and we're resilient. And we always rise to the occasion. I would say that there is nothing we can't do together. Thank you so much to all of you for joining me and sharing all of your experiences and memories from the last year. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything you've done and sacrificed for our community. Thank you. Thanks for giving us this opportunity because I feel like it's important. It was an important time for us too, Mary, to just be able to be together and reflect on the last year. So this is we're very grateful for giving us the opportunity. At the beginning of this episode, I asked you to travel back with me to March of 2020, and we heard some challenging thoughts and sad emotions from the nursing leadership of Premier Health. I want to leave you with some of their thoughts from today. But we really learned how to adapt and to pivot when we needed to be, and so that was something I think that really carried us through as an organization. That recognition of the hard work um, that they're doing by the community, it meant so much and it made them so proud of the work that they do. You know, they were positive and optimistic and, you know, today was a good day. We had the resources that we need. We had the staff that we need and um, the way that they, you know, always rise to the occasion that they always go above and beyond to care for our patients, to care for our families. Those are the days that stick out to me. Um, and remind me of, of why I'm here and, and, and honored to support them um, and to work with them. So I saw them do things that I couldn't even imagine. Like they just pulled together, they knew it had to be done. And then I remember when I sent out the email about helping hands and immediately I got back responses, we're already signing up. And so they did it without even asking. They knew they wanted to help out and do whatever they can. So I just, I really saw them band together and just what needs to be done. I'm going to be out there. Everywhere you looked, people were just working together and partnering and sharing information and, and doing what needed to be done in ways that um, we just hadn't done it before. You know, I just looked at our organization and said, what, what an incredible honor to work for Premier and to work with these incredible people. Um, so while it was really hard for us, while it was exhausting, um, we were proud of the care that we were providing to our patients. We were proud that we were on the leading edge of treatment options for our patients. Um, and we were all saying to each other, if we had COVID right now, Premier Health is where I would want to be cared for. Um, and so I think um, leaning into that pride and into one another um, helped us uh, get through the more difficult days. We, you know, we, we track the numbers, obviously. Um, and when I saw the numbers like going the right direction and when we got to double digits, I was like, oh, okay, we're out of the, we're out of that. And this morning we were at 10 patients and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, we're at, well, so maybe tomorrow we'll be at nine, but today we were at 10. So that was a really great day. You know, you pull from your faith, you pull from grit, I call it grit. Um, and, and 
the way I tried to look at it was I can't control everything. The only thing that you can't control is how you show up. And you may not do it perfectly, but you work with people who are forgiving and who will help support you in working through that. And we just keep going. And then I just watched those nurses every single day doing what they were doing at the bedside. And that gave me strength every day. We'll get through this together. And the only way to get through it is together. It's important for us to know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. We all gathered around, um, mask, masks on, and clapped her out. And she walked down the hall with her husband and got into her car and we all watched. And it was amazing. It was a shred of hope for everyone um, that people could actually recover from this because we had so many that didn't. Um, and because it was one of our own, it made it even more special. The vaccine did allow me, since I was going through an immunocompromised time period, um, it, it did allow me to hug my daughter and be in the presence of my daughter without a mask on. As soon as we had a vaccine, I felt the load just lifted off of everybody's shoulder. It felt lighter in the world to me. And that was, it, there was just hope. Let's not just get through it. Let's not just look to when this is over live in the moment. Let's just not get to next year. Let's just not get through COVID. But how do we learn to thrive in this moment, even when it's exhausting and it's challenging? Um, cherish the moments that we have, cherish the moments that we have with family, and learn to appreciate today for today and not um, forget today in anticipation of tomorrow. I would say that there is nothing we can't do together. You can get more information 24-7 at premierhealth.com slash COVID-19. And we want you to get the information you need about COVID-19 vaccines from people you can trust. Visit our COVID-19 vaccine hub for up-to-date interviews with our physician leaders, fact sheets, news, and more about COVID-19 vaccines at premierhealth.com slash vaccine. This has been Premier Health Now On Air. COVID-19 edition, a Premier Health podcast. Our care lives here.